This is Living Forever, Not an Option, a podcast brought to you by Care Dimensions, a provider of hospice, palliative care, and support services in Massachusetts. Your hosts are Lynn Skarmis and Mary Crow. My name is Mary Crow. I'm the Director of Professional and Community Education at Care Dimensions. And we're pleased to have on the show today, Dr. Tina Waugh, who is the Medical Director of Quality at HomeMD with Care Dimensions. Dr. Waugh, thank you so much for being on the program today. Thanks for having me, Mary. Yeah, we're thrilled about this. So before we dive in, and we're gonna talk more about HomeMD, uh, that program with Care Dimensions, I want you to tell the audience a bit about yourself. Sure, so I am a family medicine physician. I did my training at the Beverly Hospital Family Medicine Residency Program and basically never left. So I uh, joined a private practice, which was then um, bought by Beverly Hospital and became an employed physician until I joined Care Dimensions in February. Oh, that's great. And we're thrilled to have you with us. So, you know, people hear HomeMD. So I, I want you to explain to the audience, what is, what is that? What is HomeMD? So HomeMD is a primary care practice, and the way I like to describe it to people is that when you go see your primary care doctor, you walk in the front door and you check in, and then you go back to a room. The medical assistant takes you back and checks your vitals, and then into that room comes a provider or a nurse to take care of you, and you go back to the front desk and check out and go home, and if you have a problem or you need a prescription, you call the office, and the nurse or medical assistant or administration or the front desk can um, answer your questions, send in prescriptions. And so HomeMD is that exact same service, except we take that exam room and we put it in your house. Nice, oh, I love that description. Yeah. What a great way for people to visualize this. You know, when people hear about Care Dimensions, they think about end of life care. Right. So do you have to be at end of life or have a terminal illness to be on HomeMD? Absolutely not. Um, some of our patients are patients of Care Dimensions Palliative Care and Care Dimensions Hospice, but most aren't. And um, if we need those services, we work um, closely and collaborate with those teams, but most of our patients um, don't utilize those services and aren't in need of those services. That's great. Yeah. So t tell people, like what would qualify somebody? Mm -hmm. Most of our patients are 65 and older. Um, we take all insurance plans except uh, there's a few we don't take. The biggest one is Tufts Medicare Preferred, but we take Medicare, we take uh, Mass Health, we take commercial plans, Medicare Advantage plans otherwise. And um, most of our patients, um, uh, have a chronic condition or multiple chronic conditions, and they are what we call home limited. So traditionally to get VNA services, people need to be homebound. Right. This is not homebound required, it's home limited. Okay. And I had a patient of mine who in the fall, when I knew I was coming here, but, but I hadn't made it public knowledge that I was gonna be leaving my primary care practice, um, I was doing a video visit with him and he said to me, and I'd been seeing this fellow for over 20 years. Wow. He said to me, he said, I, I don't think I can keep seeing you anymore. I just can't get into your office. It's too hard. My old office was on the second floor and it was a long hallway. And I said to him, hold that thought because he was the perfect patient to come to home MD. Getting out of the house was hard. He was using a walker. Yeah. Getting in and out of the car was hard. And 
just coming into the office was taking a toll on his day such mm -hmm. that he really couldn't do anything else that day. It used all his energy. Wow. And he was the perfect patient for home MD. Yeah. And do other examples, like, again, that's great. Yep. I think this helps people to kind of get a visual on, yeah. on who, again, who would qualify. Do you have other, obviously, we're, we're being very conscious <laughs> about privacy and, and confidentiality, but other situations that would qualify as well? Um, yeah, some people are just homebound. They yeah. can't get out. Um, other people, you know, the spouse has to get a, a wheelchair in and out of the car yeah. to move them, uh, to get them into a doctor's appointment. And I have one patient that the wife told me it was just getting increasingly difficult for her to lift that wheelchair yeah. in and out of the car. And just um, general frailty. Um, people who have trouble um, getting just weak and, again, going to a doctor's appointment becomes an entire day's production, yeah. right? Yeah, and then there's no, with the quality of life afterwards. So they're so exhausted from that appointment that they really can't do any of the things that they could even enjoy. Right, and then they come in for that appointment and next thing you know they have to go get labs or an x-ray or see 10 specialists and um, just becomes, the calendar is full of one appointment after the next and where's the quality of life exactly. in that? Exactly. How does that work in terms of labs, mm -hmm. things like that, other testing? Yep, so we have a um, homebound phlebotomy service that we work with, and they can come to the house and get labs right there. Uh, radiology, we can arrange. It's it's hard to do same day, but we can get people out for, you know, we need a chest x-ray, somebody has a cough or congestion, we want to rule out a pneumonia, we can get the radiology team out there to, to do an x-ray for us. That's great. Um, some people still get out and see specialists and um, do radiology or other imaging tests that we can't do in the home. That's certainly available to people yeah. if they want to. They don't have to if they don't want to. Yeah, and I, I like what you had said because I, I think it's confusing to people sometimes because when they hear about with the, the visiting nurse services, and that, which are, they're great, that's fine, but people don't understand that there is a, a component where you have to be homebound. Right. This sounds like you don't have to be homebound at all. You right. said home limited, which I, again, I like that expression, uh, and it really gives pic people a better picture. But, um, you know, it's certainly it makes things easier for people. So, it, again, they don't, it, it's, even if they're able to get out, they can go to some appointments. It doesn't preclude them right. from being on the home MD. Right, exactly. And not only easier for patients, but for their caregivers also. Yeah. You know, some of them are the um, partners yeah. uh, who are trying to get them in and out of these appointments. Sometimes it's a, a child who has to take time off from work every time they have an appointment. Yeah, that's great. So talk more about, if you will, um, again, more, because I'm hearing these throughout this, this conversation, but more of the benefits to people being on Home MD. Right. So you can stay at home. Yeah. <laughs> we, we're really a team that understands that patients have other things that matter to them mm -hmm. other than living forever yeah. and um, really experienced in having those discussions and talking to people about what matters to them and what's important to them and um, really can help them provide that care in a place that's familiar to them. And you do learn a lot about people by seeing them in their own homes. Yeah, that's true too, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, and, and you know, you can really understand what some of the obstacles are as well as some of the supports and all of those things that can happen right. when, you're, when you're doing that in their own home. 
Right, you can look in the refrigerator in the yeah. cabinets and find the food that has thousands of milligrams of sodium for the CHF patients or con congestive heart failure patients and um, help them understand where, where the extra salt is coming sure. into their diet. Um, lots of things we can do at home. Yeah, as well as uh, even, again, some of those other obstacles, just seeing how the layout, how things are That's set right. up, um, and even strategies, right, around how to make it, because people, they mostly want to be at home. Right. You know, that's the, the statistics show that the people's preference would be, um, but that's not the fact, is right. that most people aren't at home. Yes. Uh, and, and how could you make that more of, a, you know, giving some of those strategies to help keeping them in the setting. Right, people want to age in their own homes, yeah. in, their yeah. own, in their own space, and, and um, we hopefully can make that happen for them. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So talk, talk a bit more, too, about, like, the team. Yep. Like, you know, who's on the team? What, what, is it, what does it look like? That sort of thing. So we are a team right now. We have two physicians and three nurse practitioners. Uh, we have a team of nurses who support us in the office. And we have administrators in the office who answer phones and can help with administrative tasks. Um, the team has a lot of experience in taking care of patients in their own homes. Uh, several of our providers have um, many years, um, decades, taking care of patients in their own homes and um, have compassion for both the patient and the caregivers who are trying to keep people in their own homes for as long as they can. Yeah. I also wanted to go back to the caregiver too because yeah. again, you know, it, sometimes people feel like in order to have a service like this, yep. um, there has to be no available caregiver. That's not what I'm hearing here. Not at all. Not at all. No, it really takes a village, right? Yeah. So some of our patients don't have a caregiver and don't have family um, and that actually is challenging yeah. in a different way. Um, but most of our patients have um, either a spouse or a child who is involved in their care or sometimes a friend um, who participate on the team. Oh, that's great. Yep. And, and I want to just go back to the caregiver again for a minute yeah. because, you know, we, we, you know that there's a lot of focus now on caregivers which is good, mm -hmm. and and I think it's been long in coming because again we watch that the caregivers it takes such a toll. So again, it sounds like your support for that individual as well for that caregiver. Right, right. You know, a lot of, most of our phone calls come from the caregiver, yeah. and um, just asking for help. You know, there's there's a lot we can do. There's still some things we can't do. Yeah. Um, uh, people living at home isn't really supported by our society. Yes. So yeah. we do the best we can. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it does certainly, like you say, eases the, a lot of the pressures in terms of yeah. the, the physical exertion, getting mm -hmm. somebody out if they mm -hmm. require that type of assistance and all of those things. Yeah, one of my patients recently passed away and his wife said um, to me that she never would have been able to keep him at home wow. if it weren't for home MD wow. providing. Wow. You know, she really could call us and most days we're able to get out same day for a sick visit yeah. and um, really uh, helped her um, deal with the stress of having somebody um, who was sick at home. Wow, that's great. Yeah. That's quite a testament. Yeah. So talk, if you will, about like, how often do you see somebody? That um, sort of thing. Frequency of visits. Yep. Uh, I like to think about that the same way I think about having a patient come into the office. So yeah. we try to see all of our patients at least every three months. Most of our patients have um, multiple chronic conditions yeah. that really need to be um, assessed on a regular basis. So three months is really the maximum we try to go between visits. Yeah. Um, but many of our patients are seen uh, in between visits 
if someone's in the hospital or emergency room, our policy is to try to get out within two business days to follow up on that patient. Um, we can almost always do that. We are available to come out for same-day urgent care visits. And if somebody has a need where we've you know, changed a medication or they have a sick visit and they need to be seen, we will come out and see them for that as well. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So another thing I wanted to ask too was, um, so you talked about who was on the team. So what if people are having psychosocial or spiritual issues? How do you tend to that? Um, that's a great question. Uh, we don't have a social worker on the team right now, but we're looking to partner with a lot of the other services that are available in Care Dimensions, Wonderful. and that's one of the things we're talking about is as our uh, practice grows, how can we work together with uh, all of the services that Care Dimensions has that our families would benefit from as well. That's great, and it sounds like you connect them with resources anyhow in the meantime, but yeah. that you're looking at other innovative ways of bringing those services to them as well. Right, you know, there, yeah. there are certainly services for spiritual and psychiatric care in the community, yes. and, and we can tr connect people with those organizations. There are a lot of home care organizations, and they have uh, their own embedded yes. um, partners. Yeah and we connect patients with those um, and families with those yeah, resources as well. It sounds, again, it very holistic, which is, which is wonderful. And I think that's um, you know, one of the benefits when, when you have uh, an organization that kind of understands that, that it's not just about the physical, that there's so much more to it. Right. Uh, so really looking at the whole person. So that's why I love this Home MD concept too, when you were talking about, it's nothing like seeing somebody in their own environment. That's right. Yeah, talk, one talk of more about that if you will. Yeah, um, you know, um, you never know where people are living till you go there. Yeah, isn't that true? Right? Yeah. Um, some of our patients are in assisted living facilities. Um, they're all very different in yeah. the supports that they can provide to patients, so understanding what supports are available to patients in those facilities is great. Um, sometimes we walk into a home and there's um, a hoarding situation, um, yeah. things you don't think about sure. when you see them in the office. Yes. And um, uh, trying to help them um, uh, make progress in that area so that they can maneuver about their home without fall risks is important. Um, yeah. Again, yeah. so giving um, suggestions, strategies, again, throw rugs, things like that. Yeah. That's where it's really important to get to see that environment. Yeah, and sometimes the patient will say, I, I can't get out of the house. And you get to the front door and the stairs are like this, and you say, uh -huh. oh, yeah. well, that all makes yeah. sense yeah. now, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so in terms of the, um, how would somebody make a referral? Um, so I think we'll put our information up at the end, yeah, yeah. Um, but we have a phone number that people can call. Yeah. Um, uh, anybody can make a referral. A patient can refer themselves. A family member can refer the patient or any community resources as, you know, as long as the patient and the family are on board with that. Um, they do need to give up their current primary care physician to have us come on board as primary care, yeah. um, but anybody can make that first referral. That would make sense, right? Because mm -hmm. you're having to, it's a primary care that you're right. receiving in that. You don't have right. to give up your specialist. Right. But again, you would have two primaries if you didn't do it that right. way. Right. It's so just really like any other primary care yeah. doctor. Yeah. yeah. So, um, 
So w what are the things, again, would you like people to understand about this? Because I think w w people get nervous, right? Because they yeah. think, oh, this is going to cost, I, I'm, I can't afford this. <laughs> I, I, I'm not somebody who could ever access this type of care. Right. Talk more about that. So it works the same way your regular doctor's office works. Um, the insurance works the same. So whatever your out-of-pocket copay uh, would be for a doctor's office or most people with their Medicare and their Medicare supplement, they have no out-of-pocket cost yeah. to see their primary care doctor. So whatever your normal out-of-pocket cost would be would be the same for a home MD visit. Um, there's no extra cost for this. It's just part of your normal insurance coverage. That's wonderful mm -hmm. because again, I think that that's the stuff that people are going to be concerned about because they're thinking if they're coming to the home, then this is going to cost me something. Right. But it isn't. This right. is this is covered in the same way. The accessibility. What um what areas are being covered in terms of ge geography? So we have a relatively big um, north north of Boston footprint right now. Yeah. Um, we go up as far as Haverhill and Newbury to the north. Um, to, we go out to Rockport and Gloucester, Marblehead and Nahant, yeah. down to Everett and Revere, and over to Linfield and Middleton. That sort of gives you a yeah. sense of what our footprint is. We're looking to grow that. We'd like to, um, but looking to grow in that current area first before we expand our footprint. Which is great though, because again, that's a that's a big area right. that you're already covering. Yeah. So people should really not second guess. They should call. Right. 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 I'm sure that's what you would want them to do if they have any questions. Absolutely. And the other thing is, you know, you're not marrying the the, um, not making a choice for the rest of your life. You're not marrying us. Uh, <laughs> you have to get divorced. <laughs> if you come on board and decide you want to go back to your primary care doctor, you can always go back. It's not a uh, permanent commitment. So it's just yeah. like any any change in primary care doctors. Yeah. Um, you can come on and leave if, if it doesn't work for you and your family. Yeah, that's great. We hope it does. Yeah, and I'm sure f it, it does for so many. Because again, I'm, as you had mentioned, I'm sure you have other people that have let you know the impact that this has had on them, um, yes. without the strain that this has caused to try to get pay, get people the care that they need. Yeah. And I think a lot of um, older adults, particularly, sometimes they don't get the care that they need because they're not able to access it in transportation right. or just ability to get there is one of the reasons. Right, and um, not only that, but these days in primary care, we have a real shortage of primary care providers right. and uh, everybody's having difficulty accessing primary care. So a lot of times you call and, and you have to go to urgent care because there's no access or availability that day, or you're waiting two to three days to get in when really you have an urgent need that should be seen sooner. Yeah. And we can usually get out if, with a phone call early in the day. We can get out the same day. If the phone call comes in late in the day, we can get out the next day yep. um, for urgent issues to, yeah. to take care of patients. Well, that's great. Yep. So we we still have a few minutes, and I want to make sure that we cover all of the, the material here because I just I think this is so important to people to kind of have this clear picture. So give us some other examples, again, whether it be benefits or people that would qualify that sort of thing uh, in terms of accessing the care. 
Yeah, I was just thinking we didn't talk about um, the patients that we, the places we go. So yeah. we take care of patients in their own homes, yep. in the, in if they're living with a family member, okay, um, in residence homes. So yep. there are some um, independent living facilities, yep. and we would go to those, and assisted living facilities. We don't go to long-term care facilities. Yep. Those facilities have their own providers that take right. care of patients in the facility. Um, but those rest of the rest of those places we would go to, and again, anybody that has trouble leaving the home. So wow, that's great. Yeah. So really, it, it sounds like it's most places, it, with the exception of skilled nursing Correct. facility, which yep. would make sense again because they have their own provider there. Yeah. But, uh, but so you really cover a wide range. Yeah, and you know, even in the memory care and the assisted living uh, facilities, we can we take care of a lot of patients in those. Yes. Units. And I think sometimes people don't understand because they hear assisted living and they, they kind of think of it as the same as they would like with a skilled facility, but it is, it's very different and assisted living is actually, it's considered home. And even though again, right. people live in a skilled nursing facility, it's different in terms of how that is covered. Right, patients who live in assisted living facilities still need to have their own primary care physician or right. nurse practitioner. And they typically would go out for appointments and typically if they needed a medication, um, their family members might have to go get that for them if it were urgent. Um, and we work with companies that will deliver the medications to the assisted living facilities. Um, we work with companies that bubble package medications oh, for wow. patients. So that's great. So mm -hmm. you, you were talking about, so the med thing is really addressed. Yep. Um, the You were talking about lab work. Yep. Uh, you were talking about uh, x-rays, things Correct. like that. Correct. What other type of ancillary services like that can you help with? Um, they have a mobile unit that will come out and do an EKG. Wow, uh -huh. okay. Um, we will, we can dip a urine at the facility to get an indication or at a home to yeah. get an indication as to whether a patient might have a urinary tract infection. Uh, that urine still has to go to the lab. That's one of the few areas that we are challenged in right now, but yep. um, looking at opportunities to improve that as well. Sure. Um, but, but if we can't get a urine to the lab, at least being able to dip that urine in the home, we have an idea right. um, whether we need to treat. Yeah, so if you're, if, and, and you were saying that you do emergency visits, but right. if somebody had an emergent situation, you're still gonna say what you would if you they walk into the office. Yeah, my, my, my line still would be, you know, um, we have to make a decision today. I want to do what you want to do. Yep. Um, you know, if we really want to provide you the best care for this real emergency, then the emergency room would be the best place to do that. And uh, then I ask, what do you want to do? Yeah. And sometimes patients will say, I don't want to go. Yeah. And then we talk about what would be the consequences of not going, and, yep. and that's their decision. But yep. if they want to go to the emergency room and, and have um, a big workup done, yep. that certainly we would support that. Yeah. But it sounds like, again, the frequency of visits is very good. Correct. Yeah, so um, again, it's, and more so again sometimes when you would see it out in the community as you were talking about, uh, just in terms of accessibility. Right. That's wonderful. Right. So what else would you like to share with the, the audience? Well, I just want to say that when I was in um, primary care, I didn't know that this service existed. Yeah. 
and I would walk around the office and say, doesn't anybody go to the house anymore? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and <laughs> just, um, you know, want people to be aware that we're out there yes. and that the service is available for them and their um, loved ones yeah. and we can provide that care in the home. Which is really neat because again, I think, you know, we date ourselves a little bit, right? Of the, the doctors doing the home visits. Right. Well, it's here, right. it's here. And again, that's why I think sometimes people, and it's too, it's so, it's too good to be true. Right. It's not. It's it's reality that yeah. this is actually something that is accessible to people. And I think that that's why we, we kind of thought it was out there and then it wasn't. But it's here and this is a wonderful option. Yeah. And then another thing that I think we do really well in our group is understand that um, not everybody wants to have a massive workup for every right. problem that they encounter. Yeah. And when I was in primary care, I realized pretty early on that we did not do a great job talking to patients about what they wanted and what was important to them. Yeah. Uh, if they had a problem, we said, okay, you need this test and you need to see this specialist and this is where you need to go. And, um, and a lot of patients didn't want that, but they didn't know how to say that. And so when I was at Beverly years ago, I started the Advanced Care Planning Steering Committee mm. and then was on the um, uh, Advanced Care Planning Steering Committee for uh, Leahy yeah. when we merged yeah. and really um, uh, worked with my colleagues to talk with patients about what was important to them. So utilizing documents like Five Wishes, yep. Honoring Choices Massachusetts, yep. The Conversation Project, and um, I I'm trained to facilitate the Serious Illness Conversation and working to um, train um, the rest of our um, group on that. Okay. So really just understanding that there's more to people than just numbers and um, and medical tests. Absolutely, and th the, this is so important, these advanced care planning and goals of care conversations, right? right. The cousins, uh, yeah. you have people to understand the distinction, right, between advanced care planning and goals of care. They are both important, both right. related, and a lot of times these conversations aren't happening in healthcare. Right. I think people expect that the, their primary care physician will bring that up if it's important, but we know that that's not always the case and that people need to be educated about this. Right. These conversations are as really as skilled as any any procedure that you're going to do and I think this is important so I, again talk more a little bit about that because yeah. I really want people to understand the, how important this is. I was just going to say that the conversation starts in, started when I was in family med, family medicine out in the community when people turned 18. Yes. <laughs> the healthcare proxy right? Yeah. And then it really shouldn't be um, no conversation until you're at end of life and then all of a sudden having a conversation. Yeah. They're really conversations that people should have with their providers throughout their life. That's right. And uh, particularly as we age and develop chronic conditions, uh, having those conversations around what matters to you, what's important to you, um, goals of care again. Um, people, you know, do you want to stay in your own home? Yes, I think the answer for most people would be yes. And how can we make that happen? Yeah. And how much care do you want? And you know, a lot of times when you talk to people about that nodule in their lung um, and really talk about what's important to them and what they want, uh, what you realize is they don't want chemo, they don't yeah. want radiation, they don't want surgery. They've seen people go through that, they don't want it, yeah. and they want comfort care, and they want quality of life. And yeah. to have those discussions and understand where people are 
is really important. Yeah, that and really that's, is. Yeah, and that's something that our group understands. Which is wonderful because even now and with all this time and all the conversations that's gone by, it's not being done readily. So it's right. so important to have that skill set and to have that, that approach as well. Right. I want to, uh, Dr. Wah, I want to bring up, because I know we're going to wrap up in a, in a little bit, but I just want to bring up the slide about how people can be in touch if yep. they want to look into being a patient or also they have any questions, they can reach you yep. at this number. Yep, you can reach us at that number. Um, the um, folks that answer the phone know a lot about HomeMD, can answer your questions, uh, can talk about insurance coverage if you're concerned about that. They, they know the answers to that. And if you're interested, can book an initial appointment. Uh, we try not to do the first visit as an emergency visit. The first visit is an, uh, an admission visit where we um, get to know patients yeah. and um, get all of their information entered into our um, system. And um, then they become a patient of HomeMD after that. That's wonderful. And it, I know we need to wrap up, but is there anything else you want to say before we do? I think I just want to go back to we're here yeah. and we want to take care of people at home and we know there are a lot more patients out there that could benefit from our services and we really hope that, um, that the word will get out there. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Wild. Really appreciate you taking the time You're and welcome. being on the program today. Thanks for listening to Living Forever, Not an Option, with Lynn Skarmis and Mary Crow. To learn more about Care Dimensions, please visit our website at www.caredimensions.org or check out our podcast website at www.caredimensions.org backslash podcast. We would love to hear from you with questions or comments. Please feel free to email us at podcast at caredimensions.org and of course you can always call our office at any time. The number is 888-283-1722.